So I've um, had a chance to talk to my son recently. Um, it's a good, it's a, a good thing as well. <clears throat> not like it used to be. <laughs> not, that, not that it was ever bad to hear from your, your child, right? But uh, it's nice now. He's not calling asking for money. He's got a job. It's, uh, it's, but, but he's calling because um, he has questions about life, right? Like many of us had back when we were his age, um, because life is full of options, right? When you're in your 20s, the life is just, I can do anything, right? Um, so he doesn't ask questions, but he kind of dances around it, right? And that's okay, too. I don't mind him calling again. Uh, it's all good. I remember when, when I was his age, you know, and, and I, it was overwhelming. There were so many things that you could do. You didn't know what to do, so it got to be more than, than you could bear. Um, I, I would say that, that that whole idea gets gets better with age, but I don't believe that it does. Um, in fact, I, I don't think age has much to do with it at all. <clears throat> I think I think what settles the uncertainty of life is the opposite of that, is certainty, right? And where do you go to get certainty in life? Uh, not many places. Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, he said that he wrote those two books so that we would be certain, that we would be certain of all that we've been taught. That's why the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts were recorded, so that we would be certain. Scripture's pretty clear. Where do we go for certainty? God's Word. This year has proven that, that certainty is a, is, a, is a ghost we're trying to grab, right? Uh, everything is changing and will continue to change, but, but I don't know if I'm, I'm optimistic because I am. Uh, but also I'm optimistic because I actually believe that, that we're just beginning a change. We're just in the beginning of a change that's going to be real for the church, for our culture. Um, and that may, that may scare you. Like, it's like, this is beginning. Are you out of your mind? We're hoping it's the end of all this. No, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's, it's just starting, and we're just starting to get used to it. I know that, that for many of us, we, we'd love to go back to last fall. Um, I don't think we're ever going back. I don't think we're ever going back. And the, what's changed the most is the, the speed of change, right? I mean, it was fast back then, but, I mean, it has accelerated I mean, exponentially almost today. And I don't think that's going to change. So what do we do? What do we do not knowing what's going forward? What, what can we possibly do not knowing what the future holds and, and how it's going to be here before we know it? What do we do? I think today's text is, is one of those texts that, that I praise God for that he brings us in this moment. I don't know if you peeked ahead to, uh, to see what we're studying, but today is one of those scriptures, passages of Scripture that are absolutely foundational to our faith. Absolutely. I'd say that, that if, if you don't understand the significance of this passage that we're going to look at today, then, then you probably don't grasp the significance of what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's how, that's how important today's text is. And I'm not the only one saying that. I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to share this today. 
because, I mean, this is one that theologians and historians, uh, people who, who know the Bible say this is probably the, the most important chapter in the Old Testament. This is Genesis chapter 15, where we're at today. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it up and take a preview. Um, so, needless to say, I'm glad you're here today. I'm, I'm very glad you're here today. And I'm glad the person sitting next to you is here today. So go ahead and tell them that you're glad they're here too. Go ahead, take a minute. Tell them they're, yeah. If you're watching online, I'm glad you're online today. I'm glad you're hearing this. Um, if you're watching this from home or somewhere, just say it out loud. I'm glad I'm here too, because you matter as well. Uh, it's not just about us here in this place. It's about, it's about all of us. Um, I pray that all of us take some time this week to, to dig into God's Word a little bit more, because there's no way we're going to cover, we're even going to touch on, really, everything that's in here. Uh, but I hope you take the time this week to, to absorb that. I, I'd encourage you to, to download that little app. If you have one of those smartphones that have, you have apps on your phone, I would encourage you to download the, the YouVersion Bible app. It's a free one. It's got every translation, every language of the Bible that you can imagine. Some you can't even imagine. But uh, they're all there. They're all free. And, and in there, we also, that's where we also put our, uh, the bulletin. The worship program. So it's got all the announcements for our church. So if you open that app today, a little a reminder, because it knows where you are. It's uh, where our phones are these days, right? So it tells you that, hey, there's, uh, are you part of this worship service? And you can say yes. And so you can see all the, the announcements and everything else that are part of today's worship. So, so today we're just going to jump right into the text. I'm not going to really spend any more time setting it up, because it, it, the text today speaks for itself in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Do not fear, he says. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Do not fear. It's good to, to know that we don't have to fear. I mean, that's a good word for Abram. It's a good word for us today, right? Don't fear. I am your shield. I am your reward. That's good for us. But why did, why, what make this word for Abram at this point in time in the passage? Like, I don't know if you, if you didn't follow along last week, if you kind of dozed off, like some people, oh, sit up front. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so, so if, if you missed it last week, there was a civil war. The first war in the Bible, right, is a civil war, and it was in chapter 14. Abram had gone to, he defeated some kings from Mesopotamia in order to rescue his nephew Lot. Came back victorious. One of his neighboring kings, one of the neighboring kings of these city-states that's nearby, came out to him and said, hey, uh, let's make a trade. And Abram says, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with you. I, live, I serve God. And so, so why is God saying to Abram, fear not? It seems like it's over. The war is over, right? It's, but no, Abram is now he's afraid. Enough that God wants to step in and remind him, hey, I was your deliverer, I was your shield, I was your reward. You just talked about me just a few verses ago. Don't forget that. Don't fear. What was going on in Abram's mind and his heart? Well, we have to conclude that, that probably Abram was a little worried that those kings that he beat down just a few verses ago, they're probably going to go back and gather up their boys, and they're going to come back and give Abram what for, right? He's probably a little concerned about that. He's probably a little concerned that that king that down the road who he slighted, he said, I don't want to, I'm not going to deal with you because I'll deal only with the Lord, right? He, he, he turned his back, in a sense, to that alliance. 
he's probably thinking, I probably shouldn't have been so quick to do that. Because I might need that relationship down the road. It doesn't apply to any of us, right? None of us have ever had second thoughts about decisions, about things we had done, words that we said. That, that doesn't apply to any of you, right? No, it doesn't apply to us. That's, that's for somebody else. Abram, Abram knows what he'd done. And here, in the midst of thinking about it, he's, God says, fear not. He says, the issues of the past, don't, don't focus on them. Don't focus on the people you've shorted. Don't focus on the relationships that you took advantage of. Don't focus on the decisions that you would like to reconsider. That's the source of our fear oftentimes. The fear of the past coming back to haunt us, right? I'd say a better word, because we're often told to overcome your fears by what? what do we, how do you overcome your fears? Somebody, come on, help me. What are we told to, how do we face our, how do, well, I just gave it away. We face our fears, right? Isn't that what we're told, that when you have a fear, you're supposed to face it? That works sometimes. I think a better solution, the one that Abram has found here in Scripture today, is to face God. Actually, to face God, not your fear. And I believe in Scripture, God refers to himself as the I am, the great I am. And what he means in that is, and he says in other places, is I'm your strength, I'm your courage, I'm your hope, your health, I'm your supply, your defender, your redeemer, your deliverer, your forgiveness. I am your joy, your future. I am all you need and more. Yeah, that's what Abram needs to know. That I am all you need and more. See, faith tells us to focus on God and not our problems. We need, to re we need to remember that. That your faith is telling you to focus on God, not your problems. Worry about those other voices that are screaming for your attention in the problems that you're dealing with. Screaming for your attention to pay attention to this COVID thing. Screaming for your attention about the election and, and all that other stuff. Like, like everything of life and your retirement and, and everything. Screaming for our attention. Instead, focus on God. Instead, to focus on God. Faith, you see, is often understood as, as believing something to be true. That's, that's the start of it, but that's not anywhere near the, how immense faith is. We think of faith as, as just taking a risk. Like he had faith. He, he leapt in faith. And, and sometimes you do have to step out in faith, not knowing what the outcome is. And a, but, but not to assume that God will always rescue us, Right? But that's oftentimes how we think of it. Sometimes we think of as faith as, you know, someone who's a, a deep faith, they're just so optimistic. You know, they never have doubts. You think that that's what it means to have faith for you? That you're never going to have doubts? No. No, I think, I think all of these are, are kind of pictures, but they're distortions of what real faith is. Real faith, you see, is, is trusting God, not your doubts. No, oftentimes we, we, instead of, I mean, instead of doubting our doubts, we actually believe them. We believe them. We get caught up in all the, all the what ifs and all the could be's and all the maybes. And God says, "I am, <laughs> I am." Not I might be, not I could be, not if things work out, I will. No, God says, "I am." 
one of Jesus' disciples, when Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he went back to spend time with his disciples, right? And one of them said, I'm not, I, I can't believe it. I just I can't believe it until I see it, until I can touch it. You know how good God is? He said, here, touch it. Touch it. Believe it. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Abram, he knew how unlikely it was for him to have a child. I mean, we know a couple of chapters ago, Abram was 75 when all this started, right? It's 10 years later now. He's 85, and his wife is still not pregnant. Now we think, oh, but this is back in the Bible, and they must have had kids forever. No. The whole point of the story is that people don't have children when they're 85, when they're 75. That's what makes it miraculous. That's what showed the world that God is involved, that, that no, it's not normal. Any more than it is today. Can I get an amen? For some of you, hey, man, some of you are happy about that. <laughs> See, Abram knew that how unlikely it would be that he would father a child. But he also knew God's promise. Abram knew the mistakes that he had made over these last days and years since God had called him. But he also knew God's promise. His best hope was to walk forward trusting that God would do what would answer his promise. Would fulfill his promise. That God would do what he said he would do. Not that he could. Not that he might. Not, not that if. No. Abram said, my best hope is to believe that God will do what he said he's going to do. Will do what he said he's going to do. Abram knew God's promise. Look in verse 2. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now, before, I mean, we're tempted to be a little hard on, on Abram here. We're tempted to come down on him a little bit because it sounds like he's questioning God, right? It sounds like he doesn't really believe what God is doing. I mean, but he's 85, and Sarah's still not pregnant. He's worried, I believe, that maybe God's got the wrong guy. Maybe he doesn't have it in him. Maybe God should, should look for somebody else. Because all this material wealth, and it's obvious that God has given it to him, it's all really meaningless if he doesn't have an heir. What's the point in having all this stuff, he says? What can you give me if I don't have an heir to, to hold it? If I don't have real significance, if I don't have a son, why, what, what can you give me, really? See, he trusts God. It sounds like he's blaming God here, like you haven't given me a son, but, but he's, he's saying, I believe you. I believe that it's only going to happen because of you, but it hadn't happened. I don't, I don't know what to do, God. Without a son, he's going to give everything to one of his servants. You may think, that sounds like a strange thing to do. But that's, that was the tradition. That was what they did. They selected a servant, one of your closest servants, and that's who got your inheritance. There's something in there for another sermon some other day. But See, faith tells us 
to trust God's timing, not our own. Trust God's timing. Trust what God is doing. Not what we think God is doing and when He's going to do it. I think of people often who pray week in and week out for loved ones or for, uh, for, pers- for health issues of their own. Like, like, pray for God to move in someone's life or pray for a relationship to be healed or restored and, and they see no traction in it. They see no movement. They pray week in and day in and week in and week out. Day in and day out and nothing, nothing, nothing. They keep praying. They keep asking God. Does God hear? Is he not listening? Scripture's pretty clear that no, God does hear. Well, if he hears, then does he not care? I mean, does he not concerned about what I'm concerned with? Scripture says no, he's con- he cares. So what is it? What, what could it be? Maybe God has a different timeline. See, but we don't go there right away. We go to doubt. We go to doubting. Well, well God, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't just, I, I shouldn't waste my time with God anyway. That's one place where doubt takes us. Just to write God off completely. And the other one is the kind of doubt that, that makes, well, you know what, it doesn't really matter what I do. God doesn't, God's not involved like I thought he was. God doesn't care, right? So I can do whatever I want. And so that kind of doubt leads to disobedience. And there's another kind of doubt that questions, like Abram, and follows. It's full of questions. It's full of, but what, but, but how, but, but when, but show me. And following anyway. Following regardless of the questions that he had. See, that's what the faithful do. They obey in seasons of doubt because they recognize that maybe God's timetable is different. God's ways are different than our ways, right? Scripture tells us that. It's okay to question. Just don't stop following. It's okay to question God and what he's up to. But don't stop following his way because he's good. And he promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And he has a plan. Verse 4, if you're following along in the Bible, verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son of your, who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up to the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So shall your offspring be. In verse 7, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Probably the most powerful verse in Scripture right there. And you may say, really? Yeah, it's definitely one of them. Let me back up. I grew up in the far- on the farm, you know, where there were no street lights. You could see the stars all the time. Never really thought much about them. Then one day, I was probably in like the second grade, I guess, they took us on a school trip to a planetarium. And my mind exploded. I mean, literally, I mean, not literally, but <laughs> that would have been gross. <laughs> but, but like my, my awe and my um, amazement at the stars that had always been there, like they came, they came alive. The whole thing just blew up right, on, right in front of me. 
I recently went to one with my daughter, uh, and again, I was, I, I just, I was amazed. The whole thing. I have a feeling that that's how Abram felt when God took him outside and said, now look up. That's, that's what's going to happen. Count them, if you can. Maybe one, two, nah, never mind. It's okay, God. Okay. Okay, I get it. You see, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of how, how bad we feel like we are, how inept we are, how wrong we are for the job, or how everything else, faith says, follow me. Trust me. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of what you see going on, faith says, believe. Believe in spite of the circumstances. Abram believed, and he credited it to him as righteousness. It's a powerful word. It went about what Abram did. There wasn't a law to follow. There was no law to follow. In other words, he couldn't be good because goodness had not been defined by God. I mean, that's what the law did. It told us how to be good. And he couldn't be good because he had no directions. All he had was the next step. Go here. Do that. That's all he had. He believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. I have a good friend um, that uh, passed away a few years ago. I have his picture on my refrigerator. Uh, I was his pastor uh, before I came here, and before I, before I moved, uh, he got sick. He had brain cancer. And Pete was, uh, when I first met him, he was one of those Christians who was like, he didn't understand how people didn't understand, how other Christians didn't understand. Like if you were a, if you were a kind of a, you know, a, 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 if you were one of, those, one of those people who kind of considers yourself a Christian but you don't really practice your faith, oh my goodness, Pete would go off on you. I mean, he'd do it like, Friends, I mean, he'd love you, but he'd just say, man, you're, you're out of your mind. Like, I don't understand how you can call yourself a Christian and, and not love Jesus and not serve Jesus and not want to do everything for Jesus. And, and it was kind of like he was speaking in my head. I was like, yeah, Pete, go, go, go. He was like one of those guys. That you, just, you just pour a little gas on Pete, and he would go off. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Pete got brain cancer, um, and he and his wife, really grew their faith grew exponentially in those few months it was amazing all the reasons to doubt the question to you know to say what it's, we're beyond this now you know it, it was no more you know okay i'm going to heaven i've checked that box off i can go do whatever i want let's go let's go somewhere right it was none of that it was how can we glorify god in the little time that we got left it was amazing to me i mean it was inspiring to me how their faith grew in that crucible of life when, when everything was pressing in on them, when they, when they were overwhelmed with everything, and yet their faith was growing and growing. I mean, almost daily, he was with the Lord and growing closer to the Lord. It was inspiring. Abram believed the Lord, and, he, and God credited it to him as righteousness, the Scripture said. 
verse is loaded with depth here. Romans chapter 4, Galatians chapter 3. I mean, they, they go into detail about this one verse that, that Paul felt like this one verse, verse 7 in this passage was, was the verse, was the verse that, that, that the good news of the gospel hung on. You see, Paul understood and Abram understood that we can't become righteous by good living. By religious rituals. We don't become righteous that way. We don't become holy that way. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. All of us who felt like, you know, we, we grew up in church and we grew up as good people, I hope you know by now that you're not. <laughs> I hope you know by now that you're not that good. You're not good enough. Let me say it that way. You're not, you can't be. That's what the scripture says. If you are, then why did Jesus die? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that we would boast, but instead it's by faith in Christ that we're saved. We can only be declared righteous by taking a step to believe. Taking a step of faith to trust God, to, to answer the promises that he's made. To be who he says he is. We know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. John 3.18, a couple verses later, says whoever believes in him is no longer condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, we were lost. And then we're found. That's how it works. Not, and, and then things begin to change in our lives. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith in God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Belief, trust, Faith is the key, is the key to the Christian life. It's the key to life. It's what connects us to God. And it's by faith that God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in us. And the amazing thing is when, when we believe, God's faith becomes alive in us. And in that moment, things start changing. We start liking different things. We start wanting to be around different people. We want to we fill our free time with different activities than we had done before. Our tastes change. They say when you get this, this COVID virus that you lose your taste. It's kind of the same thing. Like you lose your taste for what used to be. You only desire the things of God then. You begin to, he changes your wants. Supernaturally. By changing our heart. That's how God works. And Abram is making this transition. I've got to speed up here. We're going to be here all day. Genesis 15, verse 7 and 8. So let me get there. <clears throat> then he said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur to the Chaldeans to give you the land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? Here, go, here he goes questioning God again. Like, what's going on, Abram? Why all the questions? That's what I'm thinking in my head when I first read And you're probably thinking that too. Like, didn't, he, didn't we just say he believed? And now he's questioning again? Like, like what's going on here? 
Abram, is, is he like bipolar? Like what's happening? Have you ever wanted directions from somebody when you're on the way and you, you kind of know where you're going, but, but you call them and you say, okay, so what am I going to be looking for? What, should I, what, what are some of the road marks I should pass? What, what should I be seeing, right? It's not, I kind of know the way, but, but is the restaurant here or is it the next block? Like, I want to know landmarks. I believe that's what Abram is doing here. He's, how am I going to know when I'm getting close? How am I going to know that I'm on the right track? God, how will I know? Abram's faith is growing, but he is not perfect. He's not perfect. His faith is limited. It's growing. He's getting he's much better than he was just a few chapters ago, but he's got a long way to go yet. We'll see that in the pages to come. But then in verse 15, we get an answer. Abram is asking for assurance. God, how will I know, right? Sounds like a simple question. Like, you will know when this and that, right? Sounds like a simple thing. Simple request, but that is not the way it worked. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, and each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Adam brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses. But Adam drove them away, or Abram drove them away. It sounds really strange, right? He's asking, God, how will I know? And God says, well, go get me a cow. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll, I'll go get a cow. And that's just the point, is that faith is obedient one step at a time. We, we don't know the end. All we know is this next step, so I'm going to be faithful in this next step. See, what we don't know is... Or, Maybe Abram knew, right? We know by looking back, because hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? It sounds strange, but a covenant in their culture was was one where you would uh, you would take animals and you would split them in half. It's kind of gross, right? It's kind of like ugh. Just as revolting as whenever you buy a new vehicle or a new house, that stack of papers that they bring in, you have to sign, right? It's like, really? Isn't there one I could sign that would just be a blanket signature? Like, you could just, like, Photoshop that signature in with all these dots. No, you have to sign every little thing. They're going to put a sticker here. You've got to sign a paper that says it's okay to put a sticker there. All this crazy stuff that, that you have to do. See, our contracts today aren't that much crazier than theirs were, although theirs are a little more grotesque, maybe. So they split these animals. They lay them side by side across from each other, and then they walk between them. They would walk, I mean, just like they would walk down an aisle with half a cow on each side of you. Strange, right? It just, like, we don't do them that way anymore. But what they were saying in, in that walking through was that this covenant, this agreement that we have, if I break it, if you break it, let us be like one of these animals. Let us be dissected. Let us be mutilated just like these animals. If, if I don't keep my agreement, let this happen to me too. That's what they're saying when they walk through. Abram did as he was instructed. One step at a time. Expecting, but he's asleep. Like, he's, like Abram is out, right? He's having a vision. He's, he's not an active participant in this fully. He's, he's 
So then we see Abram. He guards these animals all day long. In verse 12, birds come and try to get on them, and he runs them away. And in verse 12 through 16, the sun was setting. Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sins of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. Abram in a deep sleep, God came to him and said, I want you to know for certain what's happening. I want you to know for certain. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you details about how, what's going to happen in the future. This is your land. This will be the land of your, your descendants for generations to come. But it's not going to happen until generations. It's like, it's like I, you're, you know what you're getting for Christmas 10 years from now? And you're like, really? Do I? Okay, I guess that'll be great, right? I mean, it's almost that, but, but Abram has promised something that he's not getting yet. Why? Because it's not time. Because it's not time. That God has a plan. But by faith, but by faith, Abram was certain. That's what Scripture said in verse uh, 13. The Lord said to him, know for certain, be sure about this, because I'm telling you, because I'm telling you, I'm showing you, I'm making it a covenant. See, faith, faith enables us to be certain. Faith is what enables us to, to know for sure that we know for sure. What can we be certain of today? Not much of anything. I mean, if, if this year hasn't shown you that there's not much you can rely upon that you thought you could, I mean, then, then I don't know. Maybe we're slow learners. And when we can't be sure, what's the result? I think it's the results we see in our world today. Anxiety, stress, depression, fear, anxiety, Stress, depression, fear, and you just kind of put that on a loop. Anger you might throw in there. Rage you might throw in there. Suicide. Abuse. The things that we see in our world today escalating this year. Why? Because there is the things that we held for certain are no longer. Right? But faith enables certainty for followers of Christ. By faith, we can be certain. Look at verse 17 to 21. This is probably the, the best one. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to him, 
To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. There's probably some otherites in there too. Not sure. But one I want you to stick on is when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Now, if you haven't gotten how this connects to your faith in Christ, as you as your Christian, you're in your Christian walk, if you haven't seen the connection here yet, I hope it, in this it starts to scream at you. This smoking, smoking pot of fire, right, should remind you of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, right, being led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. Well, they understood, and we know of, that that was God's presence with them. Right? That's what the scripture teaches. It didn't, didn't explicitly spell it out here, but we know in other places of scripture that that's what that means. Whenever you see that kind of language, that's God's presence here. That's why our cross, not this one, but the one outside has a flame attached to it. It's cross and flame. It is the, the spirit of God right, being present in there. God is saying here that, that, is that as that pot of fire goes through the animals, walks through, God says, I'm going through. I'm going through alone. Abram didn't go through it. I thought this was a covenant between Abram and God. Yes, it is. Who's accountable for this covenant? Only God. God is the only one responsible for this covenant. I don't know if you're getting the significance of that yet. Like Abram asked, okay, so how will I know? And God says, this is how you'll know. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'll be responsible. And if I don't do it, kill me. Kill me. God says, you can trust me to do this. You don't have to, there's nothing you could do to make this happen, actually, Abram. I'm going to do it all. And throughout the Old Testament, we hear language about the, the Israelites being have broken the covenant with God, right? How they rebelled against God and how they walked away. And, and God is always going out and going and trying, come on, y'all, come on back, come on back, come on back. I mean, in the, in the Israelites are referred to as, you know, as prostitutes who, who cheat on God. He's referred to, he's always referred to as the bride or the, the bridegroom who's, who's always faithful, who's, who's married, who's, who sticks to the marriage. God is saying here, I, 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 you can punish me if this doesn't come true. He's saying something more, though. He's saying that I will be accountable for your faithfulness, too. Do you hear that? When God says, I'm the only one, he says, I'm going to be accountable for your faithfulness to this covenant. Because I'm the only one going through it. And if I'm not faithful, kill me. If you're not faithful, kill me. That was Christ. That was Christ. That, that, that's why when we read the, when we get to Christmas, right, we'll read the, the Gospels. And, and you read, in the, you know, in the start of the Gospels, how they have these genealogies of who was Mary and Joseph. And you're, we're always like, well, why do they have this on a Christmas story? Like, this makes an awful card. And we're, we're like, why would they put all this in here in this time? And, and we, don't, we don't really understand it until we stop and think that, that probably what they're, no, definitely what they're doing is they're connecting Jesus to Abraham. 
They're connecting Jesus to this covenant. To this covenant that God said, I will be accountable. Abram's not. But a descendant of Abraham, who is God, is going to be accountable for it. And they held him accountable on the cross. How does your faith as a Christian today relate to the faith of Abraham? Abram? It's because the same covenant, the same covenant that brought him deliverance, his descendants deliverance to the promised land, is the same covenant that brings you to salvation. Because God keeps his promise. And in that, in, in that you can be sure. In that confidence that comes by faith. Only by faith. That you can begin to walk in all uncertainty. Knowing that God is at work even in this. Even in this. God is at work. So do not fear. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you that you are faithful, even when we're not. God, we thank you that, that you are good. Lord, I ask that you would come and be with us. That you would lead us. That you would be our rock. God, we praise you for your goodness. We ask you now, Lord, that for those who are here today or who are watching or listening today, God, who are unsure, unsure of what the world holds for them today, God, they're unsure of their faith, God, that today in these pages of Scripture that, that we might study them, God, to, to come to understand that, that you are a promise keeper. And we can trust you, the person, the one who keeps the promises. Not the, We don't put our faith in the promise. We put our faith in the one who makes and keeps that promise. And you, Lord, you are that one. You are that one, Lord. So we ask you, God, that you would lead and guide and direct our steps here today. Father, as we leave this place, God, make us, make us faithful. God, create in us a desire to, to please you, to serve you, to, to step out into faith, to, to, to take a step of belief that we might surrender to you, God, to your will, to your timeline. God, we love you. We thank you for all you do in us, through us, and even in spite of us. We praise you, God. Amen. Amen.